Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm Dan Wills, your host of of this podcast, and I'm also the lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and I am so glad that you've decided to listen in on our podcast today. Uh, because I uh, am sharing with you a, a new message series, uh, and it's called Habits. And I believe that it is possible, if you will hear God's Word and apply it over the next few weeks of joining us, that this can redirect the, tra- direct the trajectory of your life in, in a direction that would be not only God-honoring, but would really help make our lives different. And so we're going to talk about this topic of habits. And so if you are listening today, I believe you are listening for a reason, and God's going to give you a purpose of why that will be. So the question is, why do habits matter? Okay, Because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people in any area of success, if, if someone is spiritually thriving and, and they're close to God, they're consistently living the disciplines that help them grow close to God. And if you've got someone that's financially successful, they're free. They're consistently doing things that other people only will occasionally do, or maybe even never, ever do. Relationally, physically, it's all about small things leaning in a direction of big things over time. So if you look at who is successful in Scripture, I don't think anybody would argue that Jesus was incredibly successful in in pleasing God. I I think that they would, uh, anybody would say as well that Paul was successful in pleasing God. And if you look at their lives, one thing I can tell you is that Jesus never, ever, ever said, but I just can't find the time to pray. I am so busy. And these disciples, they're, they're wearing me out. Peter just gets up all on my nerves. I wish I had more time to spend with God, but but I just don't have the time to spend with God. Jesus never, ever said that. And what you'll see is a consistent habit of, of breaking away from the crowds to have intimate fellowship with God. The Apostle Paul did not make excuses. There was There's a verse in Scripture that said he had the habit of going to the temple to actually share his faith with those who were not in the family of God. Habits matter. Successful people do consistent what other people do occasionally. And I like what Sean Covey said. He said, our habits uh, will make or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. So my question would be, those that are listening in today, is I'm going to bet and I'm going to ask, if you made a New Year's resolution in 2019, you know, how many of you made a New Year's resolution in 2019? Okay. And, and I would bet uh, several of you would be like, yeah, I, I probably did, you know, and those types of things. And that's good news because people want to change. The bad news is, though, according to studies, that 92% of our New Year's resolutions were gone by Valentine's Day. That's bad news, right? So if you had a goal, a resolution, and, and for most people in most cases, it didn't last. 
And you ended up feeling like the Apostle Paul in his writings when he, when he said these things in Romans 7. And I'm about to read these to you. It's Romans 7, and we're going to start in verse 15. Here's what it says. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And then he goes on in verse 18 and 19. He says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that it is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. And then he goes on in verse 24 and 25. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says, in a nutshell, Christ is our source. Christ is our strength. Christ is our healing. Christ is our hope. And Christ is the one who will make things, all things new. It doesn't matter who you were, where you were, what you did, where you've been. With Christ, he takes all things and makes them new. And if anyone is in Christ, he is a new person. The old is gone and the new has come. And my prayer is that you will not only experience all the life available to you in Christ, but you will live out the disciplines that that lead to a God-honoring, God-pleasing, successful life. Because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Why is it that so many of us, we, we genuinely have good intentions, right? Say we want to lose weight or we want to do whatever, but we fail again and again and again. And so I want to share with you three reasons why we don't succeed, okay, when we have such good intentions, okay? So the first reason is that we focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. Okay, we focus on the action that we want to perform, the thing that we want to accomplish, but we don't understand how to get there. Think about this. Almost everybody that you know has, for the most part, similar goals, okay? If we served a hundred, surveyed a hundred of you and, and said, what's really important to you in life? Most of you would say things that generally fall into the same categories, okay? Most of you would say something about, you want to be healthy in some form, uh, and I don't know but anybody who's saying, my goal is to have dangerously high cholesterol or, or really high blood pressure, Right? And when it comes to finances, most people say, you know, I want to be free. I want to be out of debt. I want to be able to be generous. And I I don't know anybody who's saying, you know what, I want to double the debt that I'm in. And I want to get really high interest rates on all my loans and mortgages and my my credit cards, if you have them. You know, I want to be at 19 or 20%, 25%. That would be fantastic. Nobody, Nobody does that. Relationships. We all want good relationships, right? Spiritually, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you want to be close to God. You want to make a difference in this world. You want your life to matter. And and most of us, we have very similar goals uh, or hopes, but the but the results are dramatically different. Some are really achieving what they want in one area, and others are falling uh, in in a way really short. In fact, I like what James Clear says in his book, Atomic Habits, okay? He says that winners and losers generally have the same goals. 
that successful people and unsuccessful people have the same goals. Think about it. At the beginning of any season in sports, what does the coach say to the team? The coach has the same goal. We want to win the championship, right? And I don't know any coach that says, hey, you know what, guys, this year we're going to shoot for fifth place, and it's going to be amazing, right? Nobody's doing that, right? When somebody gets married, what do they want? We want love. We, we want a blessed life. We want to be happy. Nobody's saying our goal is to make it five years, maybe seven, and then divorce is in the cards, right? Nobody does that. We all want something similar, but we end up with very different results. Why? James Clear teaches this idea, and I, and I love it, that goals don't determine success, but systems determine success. Goals alone don't get us to the end desire, but the systems in our life determine success. And in fact, to directly quote his book, he says, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. You fall to the level of your systems. You may say, you know what, that doesn't sound really spiritual at all. Well, when I read the Bible through the lens of that thought, I see examples all over the place of successful people because of godly systems or unsuccessful because of the lack of systems. See, when I look at Daniel, he's a fantastic guy. And if I want to model after the life of someone who stood out and had great faith, I want to live like Daniel. Why was Daniel successful? Why was it amongst a bunch of other young men did he stand out to all the leaders as, as godly, gifted, talented, and different? Why is it that when thrown into a den full of lions, because of his obedience to God, he was able to stand strong, trusting God, and come out alive on the other side? It's because he had the systems in place that led to the life of a faith and faithfulness. What was his system? Well, for years and years and years, Daniel had predecided that three times a day, every day, he stopped to spend time with God. Three times a day. If you want to grow in your faith and if you want to be more faithful, you will not rise to the level of your goals. You will fall to the level of your systems. If you have in place systems that build your faith, strengthen your knowledge and intimacy with God, then you will more likely become the person that you want to become. Here's the mistake we tend to make, though. We tend to think, I want to change the results. I want to do, you know, do whatever it is. I want to lose 20 pounds by the 4th of July. I, I want to be more organized. I want to uh, finally pay off that one credit card that's been with me so long. It's like having a pet. It's been driving me crazy. Whatever it is. The problem is this. We need to change the systems that create those results. If we will fix what we do and how we live, the habits in our life, the outcomes will fix themselves. Why do we not succeed? Well, number one was we tend to focus on the what, but we don't necessarily understand the how. And the second reason is is because we don't see progress fast enough. Okay, We don't see progress fast enough. And you know this. You've been in some area of your life where you're going to walk on the treadmill, you know, three days a week, right? And then you get on the scale and you gain two two pounds, right? That doesn't work, so I'm not going to do it anymore. Or you read your Bible plan for four days straight and then you're driving to church and you yell at your kids all the way there. See, I told you this thing doesn't work at all. 
whatever it is. You stop drinking coffee to save money, and you go a whole month without, and you save $100. And you may be saying, well, how do I save $100 on not drinking coffee? Well, if you go to Starbucks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet that you spend $100 a month if you're going every day, okay? Okay, and now now you're saying, well, I saved this hundred dollars, and so now my my I don't owe thirty five thousand five hundred on my college loan. Instead, I owe them thirty five thousand four hundred. And you're saying I didn't even put a dent into this. You don't see the results fast enough, and because of that, we tend to make a mistake. And the mistake is this: that we wrongly conclude that small good decisions don't matter that much. We wrongly conclude that this small God-honoring habit, this small faithful decision, this, this small good and positive action doesn't make that big a difference at all. Then take the flip side, the not-so-good things, and what do you do? You go and you play video games for three hours straight, and your wife's not happy, but she doesn't leave you. You know, it's not that bad yet, and so it's not that big of a deal. Or you skip church for a weekend and your whole world doesn't fall apart. You know, nothing tragic happens to you spiritually, and so it's no big deal. You eat a third of a box of donuts and nothing changes. And, and so then you also wrongly conclude that the small bad decisions don't impact your life that much. The small good decisions don't really move the needle, and the small bad decisions don't matter that much. And you miss the truth of what is impacting your life in massive ways. And it is that our life is the sum total of all the decisions that we make. Who are you today is a result of every single small decision that you made along the way. They all matter, and they all add up over the time. What tends to happen is you make a small decision, you know, a little compromise here, cut the corner there, fudge a little bit here, lie a little bit there, you know, bend the rules a little bit here, if you take a step over the line here, and then one day you wake up and you go, how in the heck did I screw up my life so much? How the heck did that happen? And, and you didn't do it all at one time. How did you do it? One little bad decision followed by the other. And then you take someone who's in some area of their life and they're crushing it, right? They're, they're blowing their life, just, just it's going great, right? They're blowing it out and they're living the end result of what you want. And you look at them and you think, how did they get there? They didn't get there at all at once, okay? Again, it was one small decision at a time. It was a moment of self-sacrifice. It was a moment of self, uh, a small discipline done again and again and again. And, and nobody else knows about the time that you spent in prayer and the time that you fasted and, and the time that you sought after God and the, the time that you had a, a difficult conversation and the early mornings and the late nights and the grind and the faithfulness and all the perseverance that it took for you to get to a certain point. They don't see that. They don't understand it. But you realize it was one small, faithful decision after another over a period of years that led you to the place that everybody else wants to be. Your good decisions are not wasted. They're being stored up. You may not see it, okay? It's a little bit like this. I eat, okay? I'm curious of how many of you guys out there eat. I'm sure most of you probably eat, right? Okay, well, I eat oatmeal, and most of the time it's that instant kind of oatmeal because, again, we can't progress fast enough, okay? But sometimes we have the kind where you have to heat the water up, right? 
And what I'll do is I'll put a, a, a room temperature water in a pan, right? And I'll put the fire on, you know, so on the burner or, you know, put it on the gas stove if you have that. And the, and the water is just room temperature when you start. And you don't see anything happening. But the fire is changing the temperature in the water. It might be now 78 degrees, and then it turns to 104, and then 139, then like 187, then 201. And, and at some point, the heat is being stored up, right? And you may not see it from the outside, but at 211 degrees, what do you have? You have really hot water, okay? Then at 212 degrees, you hit the tipping point. It's not just really hot water. It's boiling water. Here's what will happen. You add a God-honoring discipline and another one and another one. You're generally faithful. Sometimes you mess up, but you're generally faithful. You may not see any results for a period of time, but the temperature is rising. Your faith is being stored up, and at some point, I promise you, there's a tipping point, and it becomes obvious. You're now in shape, and you're now out of debt, and your marriage is now better. You're now making a a difference, whatever it is. And people will look on, and they're going to call you an overnight success. They have no idea all the private sacrifices, all the faithfulness, all the consistency of overcoming your own self-doubt, failing and starting again, praying and seeking God, enduring the criticism. They have no idea. It's the things that no one sees that brings results everybody wants. It's what's invisible. People don't see it, but you know it. One small decision at a time. And I like the way the Apostle Paul said it to the believers in Galatia, okay? It comes from Galatians 6, 9, and here's what it says. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not become weary in honoring God. Let's not become weary in doing the right things. Let's not become weary in living by a budget, right? Let's not become weary in counting calories. Let's not become weary in getting up 30 minutes earlier to seek God. Okay, let's not become weary in going to the gym or, 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 or weary in fasting before God. Let's not become weary in, in doing the right thing, honoring our marriages, you know, being there for our kids. For at the proper time, you may not see it for a while, but it's being stored up. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Why do we tend to fail so often? Because we focus on the what and we don't understand the how. We also don't see the progress fast enough. And number three, and this is a big problem, okay? Our distorted identity sabotages our success. Our distorted identity sabotages our success. What does our enemy do? Our enemy tries to connect our failures to our identity. You failed, and so you're a failure, and you did bad, therefore you are bad. And that's what happened to the Apostle Paul as he was was recognized, okay? I try to do what's right, and and I don't do what's right, and oh, what a miserable person I am. That's what he said. And when you look at some of the most effective people in God's word, you see people who battled with identity issues. In the Old Testament, somewhere along the way, Moses didn't live up to his own expectations. And so when God called him, he said, I'm not a good public speaker. I'm not a good leader. He identified some failure with who he was, and and that sabotaged his potential. The same is true with Gideon. Gideon was nervous. He, He took that failure, that shortcoming, identified with it. He said, I am the weakest and I'm the least in my community. 
the Apostle Paul even did that. He, he said, I am unqualified. I'm not good enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm the least, and I feel incredibly unworthy. And this is how it might play out in your life. Well, this is just the way I am. I mean, we've always known I just kind of have an addictive personality, and so I might as well take another drink, right? I'm not good with money. I've never been good with money, so might as well go shopping just to deal with it. I'm not a disciplined person. I'm not an organized person. I've never been in good relationships. I just can't seem to get it done. It's identity. And here's what happens. An unhealthy identity creates unwise habits. Then the unwise habits reinforce the unhealthy identity. It's a cycle. We don't see ourselves as godly. Therefore, we don't live in a way that's godly. Okay? Therefore, the way we live reinforces the identity that we're not really living for God. And the cycle becomes very, very negative. And so I want to ask you a question. Okay, I want to ask you a question today. I'm going to ask you, before you start with your goals, okay, I want you to first start with your identity. Ask yourself, who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? Who is it that when people describe you, what will they say? And you might say, I want to be a true man of God. Or you might say, I want to be clean and I want to be sober. Those are fantastic who goals. I want to be a godly mom. I want to be a godly spouse. I want to be financially free. And I know it might take for four years, it might take seven years. I want to be generous along the way. And I want to be radically and irrationally generous in the years to come. I want to be a bold witness to other people in my school and uh, in my workplace and on my team. I want to be a healthy person. I want to recognize that my body is a gift from God. I want to make it healthy. Who do you want to become? Here's what happens. Identity shapes actions. Identity shapes actions. Who do you want to be? Well, when you know who you are, then you know what the right thing is to do. The do overflows out of the who. Don't start with the do. Start with the who. Who do you want to be? And I know I just sounded like Dr. Seuss, but I hope you got it, okay? Who do you want to be? There's an example in one of the books that I read, and I can't remember which one, but, but they said this. Let's say you're trying to stop smoking cigarettes, okay? Trying to stop, stop vaping or whatever it is, okay? And someone says to you, do you want a cigarette? And if you say, no, I'm trying to quit, then what you're doing is you're identifying as a smoker. I'm a smoker trying to quit. But if you, on the other hand, say, no, I don't smoke anymore, your identity is saying that's a part of my past. It's not a part of my present, okay? Identity shapes actions, And you may say, well, this is just who I am. I can't change. Okay, well, remember God's word. Romans 6, verse 6 says this, For we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now you are free from the slavery of your sin. Okay, and you have become slaves to righteous living. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Who are you in Christ? You are redeemed of the Lord. You are righteous in Christ. You are more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You're blessed that you can do all things, not by your own power, but through Christ who gives you strength. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who can deliver me from this body of death? That's what Paul said. And then he goes on to say, oh, thanks be to God. His son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, can set me free identity shapes actions. 
And when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Okay, we talked about the negative spiral. Let me show you the positive one, okay? Healthy identity, healthy identity does, what does it do? It creates positive habits, okay? I fast, I tithe, I pray, I read God's word, I eat disciplined, I work out. See, it creates healthy habits, and positive habits reinforce a healthy identity. I'm a disciplined child of God. I'm a contributor. I'm an ambassador. I'm one who makes a difference in this world. Who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? What do I want people to say about me when I'm in my 70s? Who do I want to be? Let me share you. This is who I want to be, okay? I want people to say this about me. That, you know, he's a guy who loves Jesus. He's obsessed with his wife. He's a great dad and an even better grandpa. He's a devoted pastor to the church that he loves. And I want people to say he's a strong leader who believes in the best in people. And he helps people do more for the glory of God than they can do on their own. And then I want you to say something like this, you know. This dude is enjoying the ride. This guy is awesome. He's rich in friendships and experiences, and he's leaving one heck of a legacy. That's what I want people to say. And when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. No single action will change your identity, but consistent actions over time start to change how you feel about yourself and change your identity. Because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Who do you want to be? I want to be like Christ. Because if I'm like him, I'm full of love, full of grace, full of truth. I reflect the love of God in this world. I want to be like Jesus. Conform me to his image. And if you're becoming more like Christ, you know who you are. And then you know what to do. Because truly God-honoring people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Thanks for joining us today. That's another episode of our Venture Podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. Uh, Please join us next week as we continue our series on habits, okay? Taking small decisions and getting big results. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at ChandlerAcresChurch.com.